and welcome to this edition of Tech Telemedicine Tomorrow, Answers for Healthcare's Digital Trends. I'm your host, Tony Pasolacqua. Today I have special guest Sarah from our marketing department, and our topic today is bedside to website, preparing your workspace for the virtual environment. Sarah, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I've been with TMLT for going on five years now, and I do a lot of our digital marketing, and that includes email marketing and policyholder communications, and I also manage our social media and help with the website, and I do um, a lot of things like that. So Sarah, I know for me, when I think about the bedside to website manner, there's, there's a lot of components there that are coming into play. So for me, I know the first one is, is you're gonna have the audio, you're gonna have the video, uh, components of it and the only thing that I can think of that I experience is Skyping with my family so I've seen multiple instances in the past where I'll have a family member and they'll move the camera angle so that all I can see is the wall in the background and other times they'll move the camera or the phone or the microphone so far away from their face that I can barely hear them do we kind of see those same things in the whole bedside to website when you're doing a video conference, um, like, like you said, with Skype or when you're FaceTiming with somebody, your face and your facial expressions are, are front and center. And the webcam creates a very intimate vantage point. So a lot of your actions or behaviors are, are somewhat magnified. Um, and I think a good example is, is when you FaceTime with a family member or a friend and you're, you're holding that phone right in front of you and you just see like a giant head or their nose. But it also, it just feels really intimate and personal. So for physicians, it, it requires a different kind of mindfulness than bedside manner. And maintaining eye contact and, and things like that are, are different than in-person visit. Um, and so you really have to think about your mannerisms and adapt them for this digital landscape because communicating through a webcam is different than communicating and interacting with a patient in person. So I guess what I find really interesting is my family, for instance, we've done a few telemedicine calls. And one of the things that is really, I guess, unique to that environment is just how different and yet how alike the bedside to website landscape is. Is there anything that physicians should be cognizant of with like body language or anything along those lines? How, do, how does that transfer into the digital landscape? Yeah, I think that the position of your camera and where you're sitting definitely plays a, a big role and it, it seems like a small thing that doesn't matter, but you definitely want to consider where you are sitting in relation to the camera is to think of that headshot view where you have your chest and shoulders and up. So you don't necessarily need to showcase your whole body. You don't need to like stand, but you don't want to be so close that you just see a big head, a big face in the screen. <laughs> um, so I think that like passport view or headshot view is definitely a good place to start. And then of course, for the patient, that may change depending on what kind of clinical information you're going to gather. So for them, it's not so much required, but I think for you to look professional and to be in, in a proximity that doesn't make the patient feel like you're invading their space, I would say the headshot passport view. We talked about a little bit about the intimacy that occurs inside of a webcam format, right? Mm -hmm. So 
you can literally see what the physician's office is. You can see what a person's home is. So it kind of changes that whole perception of like the exam itself. What's your, what's your ideas on ways that the physician can look more professional? So the room design is, is definitely important. You want to have a professional looking setting and you want it to be comfortable and just think about things like your lighting and what's happening in the background. Obviously for patient privacy and HIPAA regulations, you, you can't have people walking in and out of your room or behind you. And, and, and maybe it's different if, if you're in a hospital setting or something like that, you might have headphones on and, and your screen might be set up so no one else can see. But um, if you're setting up your own room, then and doing this in your own practice then you definitely want to consult with the right professionals so that you have everything set up the way you need so that includes the acoustics you want a room that's absorbs sound so that you're not echoing or the patient doesn't hear an echo you also want to have your face well lit and considering consider where the light sources are in the room if if the light is behind the camera, then that will better illuminate your face versus the light being behind you. If, if the light's behind you, then that makes you look dark and cast shadows. And then that can make it hard for the patient to see your facial expressions. And, and I think that's important too, because when you're thinking of your bedside manner and empathizing with a patient, those nonverbal cues are really important. And, and that's still uh, very important in doing a virtual visit. You want the patient to see your nonverbal cues. And some other things that could be distracting too is if you don't have good internet quality or if you don't have a good camera um, and if you don't have good sound. So again, consulting with the right professionals will help you with that. And then even think about your behaviors when you're when you're typing. Like is is that when you're typing, are you making a lot of noises? Depending on where your microphone's set up, that might come across really loud on the other end for the patient. And so then you may want to think about saying like, okay, I'm, I'm typing up your comments right now. And, and that's something you would probably say in an in-person visit too. Um, but even things like if you're taking a sip from your coffee mug, that could, um, that could obstruct the patient's view. And then if you're drinking out of your coffee, then all of a sudden, all, all the patient sees is the bottom of your coffee mug. Or if you look down to write a note, all they see is the top of your head. So those are very small things that you wouldn't necessarily normally think about or think as being off-putting. But in a virtual visit, it does make a difference for the patient's experience. Yes, and, and I guess one of the other things to kind of think of from the camera angle is, is that you only literally have audio and visual for the examination component of an exam. So it may be up to the physician in certain circumstances to talk to a patient and try to have them maybe increase their lighting and maybe a different cam camera angle on their end. Mm -hmm. And I think certain things like that, depending on your specialty and what um, types of virtual visits you decide to do. I, I think consulting with your specialty society or your county medical society and those resources, those or organized medicine, they, they should have guidelines in place. I know a lot of the events that TMLT sponsors, we sponsor a lot of county medical society events and 
um, specialty society events, and I've seen a lot of CME uh, seminars at those events pertaining to telemedicine. So I do think that those resources are out there for your specialty. So definitely consult with the guidelines and best practices that your specialty society has. And especially when it comes to those more clinical aspects of of, um, the standard of care. Sarah, can you give us a little bit more details on the camera angle? I I know for a lot of individuals, you're going to feel kind of conflicted on where to look at, either to look at the screen or to look at the camera directly. Where should the camera be placed? What's, what's your take on that? So when you're looking at the webcam, the camera itself, to the patient, it will look like you're looking at them in the eyes. So if you're looking at the patient on the screen, then to the patient, it'll, it won't look like you're making eye contact. So to give that illusion that you're making eye contact, definitely look into the, the camera more frequently. And obviously, um, depending on the patient's ailment, you will need to look at the patient on the screen and to help with whatever conditions they're presenting. But when you're doing an introduction and when you're talking to the patient, look into the camera and that will make them feel like you're looking at them. Um, and I think that's definitely an important part because like we said, when it goes with bedside manner um, and empathizing with the patient, those nonverbal cues are really important. So even though it might feel odd because you're not looking at the patient, you're looking at a camera, it might feel odd, but it actually is a lot better than just looking at the patient on the screen. Um, and um, I can give an example, like when I FaceTime with my friends, Uh, there's always like a little picture of myself and I can like see myself. Um, I think they call it like the picture in picture screen or something. And I I tend to like always want to look at myself. And and so if that happens, maybe think about disabling that feature so you're not tempted to just look at yourself. So you want to place the camera slightly above your face to align with a natural straightforward gaze so that your head is in a neutral position. You don't want the camera to be placed too high because then it creates that awkward angle of you looking up at the patient and the same same thing if the camera's too low then it'll appear that you're just looking down at the patient and those are just awkward less natural positions you know if you're looking down into the camera versus up like when you're with a patient in a in a room you'd be more or less looking eye to eye so so you want the position the position of the camera to be in line with your natural gaze so one of the things that I think of is that before a, like a physician in a, in a bedside type format, they're going to have complete access to the environment. Everything's going to be kind of tethered together. So if, if a physician's doing an examination, for instance, whatever they see inside of their space is also what the patient sees. But I guess one of the really unique things about this virtual format is actually there are two different spaces, right? So for instance, if a physician's doing an examination before, they may turn the lights on in their room. Now they don't actually have the ability to access that. They may have to potentially ask the patient to maybe turn on some additional lights. Yeah, I think the depending on if the patient's using their cell phone or they're using their computer, it will just depend on where they are and, and you know if they have more lights or anything like that. Um, but I think those, those clinical aspects, it's definitely to, better to consult with your specialty societies. They may have practice guidelines and best practices for for those types of things and making sure that the patient has the proper equipment so that you can conduct the the standard of care. 
Do you ever feel like it's easy for the physician to get fixated on the patient and not notice how they are being viewed by the patients? So we were kind of talking about that, you know, picture over picture. And so sometimes it's easy for, for instance, the, maybe the physician to get fixated on themselves and maybe not notice the patient. But it also seems like it could go the opposite direction. They could get so fixated on the patient that they don't know what they look like on the patient's screen. Yeah, so doing the virtual visit, it, you definitely have to be a little bit more aware of your facial expressions. Are you slouching? Are you fidgeting? Things like that, because those will be front and center to the patient. And so that's that's where the whole concept of website manner comes from, because it is basically bedside manner, but you have to adapt it for this digital landscape. So, for example, if you are sitting too close to the camera, then the patient's going to feel that you're invading their space. If all if all they see is just your face, um, so that headshot view will make the patient feel like they have their own personal space. So, but if you're too far away from the camera, then then the patient can't really see your facial expressions and facial and nonverbal cues. And those are definitely important. Building rapport with your patient and expressing empathy, um, those things that are very important to bedside manner um, are still important when it comes to website manner. So just to touch on a, a few of the technical things that an individual may want to take into consideration. So telemedicine, from what I understand, it could occur either in a uh, organizational type setting. I, I'm actually starting to see that a little bit more outside of our community where individuals are actually taking over a complete exam room for a uh, telehealth or telemedicine type platform. One of the other things uh, that I, I would also like to stress to just some of our listeners is double check and make sure that you have enough bandwidth to handle the uh, communication, so like the connection itself. If you are going to use it, let's say, inside of a household and maybe you have a soundproof room that you're going to do these um, virtual visits on, one of the things that you may want to take into consideration is what would happen if everyone is streaming video simultaneously and if that would affect your internet connection at all. I know that sometimes if I have family and friends that come over and they're tapping into our internet, we'll watch the uh, internet connection itself start to skip a little bit. So it's just one thing to take into consideration. Yeah, and again, I think working with the right vendors will will make sure you're set up with all the right specs, and so the bandwidth is important, and then the resolution of your camera and, and things like that. Definitely you don't want to overlook those things. Yeah, that makes complete sense, and just to kind of uh, add a little bit to that, uh, bandwidth may not seem super important if you're just streaming like maybe one or two TVs at a time, but... If, you're, if you have a lot of people who are actually tied into your same bandwidth, it may actually slow it down and make it real super choppy. So just double check and make sure how that would work inside of your location. Because if you have, let's say, five or six physicians doing telehealth simultaneously, uh, that could actually suck down the bandwidth to the point that everyone has like a choppy connection. So just kind of keep that stuff in mind. There may be a need to update or upgrade your technical equipment, but the best thing to do is to go through an IT vendor. Uh, one other thing to think about, too, is the cybersecurity component of it. I know that a lot of individuals, as they uh, move towards telehealth, telemedicine, one of the things that you may forget is that you have to make sure that you're doing security risk assessments, uh, which is something that TMLT provides. But at the same time, be aware that you may have to have additional safeguards in order to protect that protected health information. And just to add to that, because telemedicine is 
getting so popular and so common, it wouldn't surprise me if there's already vendors out there that do specialize in helping physicians set up for telemedicine. And I'm sure there's there's companies out there that practices for this specific thing and probably can help with setting up the camera, setting up your microphones and helping with the security requirements and things like that. And there's definitely resources within the county medical societies, your specialty societies, the American Medical Association. They have their educational modules that they call the AMA Steps Forward. I know they have a specific module on telemedicine and they go through all of the practice guidelines and then the information um, that you need for technology and support. They have a lot of, of they have a very thorough um, piece on that that touches on all the aspects of things you need to consider in terms of like the clinical guidelines, the um, guidelines for technology and security, and it's it's a good resource. So check that out if you're if you're not sure if you're considering telemedicine. I think that that, that would be a good place to start. So risk management considerations. Telemedicine rules can change at a very rapid rate and are sometimes very state specific. So one of the things that you'll want to do is double check with your state rules and regulations that you're staying updated as they continue to change. And one of the other things to know about is that there's sometimes different resources out there. The uh, AMA actually has a playbook and it's actually a three-part book. One of the neat things about it is that out of those three parts there's 12 steps and just some of the basic categories that they have in there is including and, and evaluating vendors, contracting and implementing telemedicine or telehealth. So there's a lot of different resources that are out there too from your societies or academies. So just double check those resources before you jump into telemedicine completely. Uh, some other things that I always think of as well in terms of risk management is recordings. So before we used to, well, especially in the last few years, we're becoming more concerned about patients recording physicians, sometimes without their consent. Also, depending on state rules, that could change if it could be used in court. But one of the other things to think of is that if you're doing a video recording, there's the potential that a patient could be recording you during that specific office visit. So just keep that in the back of your mind as well, that every time you're doing a telehealth consultation or an office visit, that that information could be directly recorded by the patient. And then follow-ups is an area that we've seen uh, risk management get better at. So before it used to be, from, from what I, I remember, there wasn't really much follow-up. It was you would schedule a visit, you'd go in, you'd get seen, and then you wouldn't hear very much. Uh, we've actually used telemedicine a little bit more frequently lately, and one of the most interesting things that I have found is that they are starting to now do follow-ups with that specific physician that saw you at the time of that visit. So we're actually seeing kind of like a lot of risk management considerations being taken into account, especially moving forward with telemedicine itself. So just, uh, just to kind of tie up this podcast, Sarah, could you give us a quick summary of what you would like our listeners to leave with? Yes. So remember how you see the patient on your screen is not the same as how the patient sees you on their screen. Um, remember when trying to maintain eye contact, look at the camera frequently rather than the patient on the screen. And... Be mindful of your room design. If you are establishing this at your practice, then you'd want to take in consideration the location, the size, the equipment, and the furniture placement, and even the wall color. Um, and some other good important things are the lighting, making sure that you have 
good lighting and good acoustics. You don't want there to be an echo in your room. Um, you want a good microphone so that the patient hears you clearly. Um, and to definitely consult with the right professionals, to, um, such as IT vendors, to make sure that you're set up for optimal patient visits. And Sarah, I know you did an entire slideshow on this. Could you give us some, some more information on that as well? Oh yeah, so I create a SlideShare series for our resource hub. It's uh, The series is titled What Every Physician Needs to Know, and they're very short, quick, easy digestible uh, presentations, and we have them on all kinds of risk management topics, and um, we have one on website manner, so definitely go check that out. It's on our resource hub, which you can find on our website, and we talk about a lot of these uh, takeaways in that slide share. So, for instance, I know with a lot of our listeners, as you're talking about camera angle and where it should be placed at, it's sometimes hard to visualize that during a podcast series. But I know on your slide, do you remember what slide it was? Oh, yes. it's I've got it sitting here in front of me, slide six. Slide six. So slide six actually has a good idea of how to place that camera angle. Uh, just for any listeners that are trying to figure out exactly what that would look like. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're a policyholder, please feel free to contact us with any questions by calling 1-800-580-8658 or check out our resources at tmlt.org and clicking on our resource hub. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you.